Welcome to the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. Today, we're honored to have Evelyn Gallego, founder and CEO of EMI Advisors and the program manager for HL7's Gravity Project. Now, I've been told that the Gravity Project is more than just an HL7 project by Evelyn. So I'm very excited to hear the more of the Gravity Project. Certainly our subject today will be on the Gravity Project's work on the social determinants of health and how those determinants will interact with our clinical data. I'm your host, Matthew Albright. My day job is Chief Legislative Affairs Officer for Zealous Payments, Z-E-L-I-S. Zealous's mission is to enable providers to simplify and save on their payments and claims. I also serve as the Communication Committee Chair for Weedy. That's W-E-D-I. Weedy, as many of you know, is a national membership organization where the health information technology community connects, collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. And today, like I said, we're honored to have Evelyn Gallego, founder and CEO of EMI Advisors and the program manager for HL7's Gravity Project. Evelyn, so very glad to have you here on The Collective Voice. Thank you so much for having me, Matthew, and for Weedy. I'm so excited to be here today to speak to you about our work within the Gravity Project and tell you more about what we've done and where we're heading and what I'm most excited about as we um, advance data interoperability for social determinants of health. Terrific. And and um, I think our listeners are would be excited about this too, uh, status, uh, social determinants of health it's come up again and again as a theme on this program, especially as the most recent pandemic kind of illustrated graphically uh, what some of those health disparities are based on the social determinants of health. So we're excited too. Before we get to the Gravity Project, tell us a little bit about your journey and um, how you ended up here at the Gravity Project. Sure, happy to. So I started, um, so I'm the CEO of EMI Advisors um, LLC. We're a management consulting firm located outside of the Washington, D.C. metro area. I started my consulting career in the D.C. area over 16 years ago, um, very primarily focused on helping my federal clients bridge health IT policy with program development and implementation. Um, and along that way, I was I was honored to help support and advance um, the High Tech Act within the Office of the National Coordinator. So, I initially started with supporting the state um, state health information exchange grantees or awardees as they were standing up their programs. I then supported the challenge grant programs where we were working on specific areas that were not funded by High Tech. Uh, where I was introduced to standards. So then I started working on the, within the standards and um, office within ONC, addressing the gap. So a lot of the high-tech programs, um, particularly around state HIE, were to support the movement of data across health systems. And then with that came um, the awareness that to really get to data liquidity, you have to have a consistent way to structure the data and exchange it. So I was introduced to um, HL7, so health level seven. Um, that's how I came, you know, it's really advancing standards needed to support care coordination. Um, so along that 
care coordination very much focused on moving data from acute care settings to post-acute care to primary care. Really, I, I say care coordination is data following the person. Um, and so along that, I then started supporting um, CMS, uh, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, as they were looking to advance data interoperability within um, the long-term services and supports area covered under Medicaid waivers right now. And hence, I was introduced to this other world uh, outside of health, um, human services, as, as HHS calls it, um, or social care. And uh, that eventually had, through ONC, introduced me to SIREN, which is the Social Interventions Research and Evaluation Network that had started to investigate and gather evidence around integrating social care and clinical care. And from that came the Gravity Project. So I'm happy to talk through how SIREN reached uh, ONC, but really it was around the trajectory of my work supporting uh, several care coordination, coordination care planning, um, long-term long-term long services and supports initiatives, and really helping the federal government advance existing programs and incorporating um, data standard or data exchange requirements in those programs. Very good. So tell us a little bit about uh, the Gravity Project and maybe start with HL7 and let's just do a, uh, sure. let's just do a review of what HL7's role is. Sure. So, um, HL7 is the international um, standards health data, for, you know, it is the leading um, health uh, data standards development organization, SDO. Um, they are accredited by ANSI, and I am not going to remember the acronym, <laughs> but they have accreditation as a standard development organization, which means they are responsible for developing, curating, uh, publishing data standards. So. Um, HL7 has played a key role in publishing the standards that are now required in, in regulation. So um, certified electronic health records or certified technology um, has specific requirements to incorporate HL7-based standards. Um, and right now, the biggest one is FIRE, Fast Health Interoperability Resources, which um, uh, support the data liquidity requirements uh, within the uh, ONC and CMS um, rules. Um, so, you know, on the information blocking side for ONC, promoting interoperability for CMS, um, also reducing provider burden. So there's a lot of, you know, regulatory um, reg regulations in place right now that um, point to HL7 um, specifications. So HL7 as a standards body, um, has, I, I think, a very um, unique but elaborate governance process. So they have a way, you know, very consensus driven. And so that approach actually has been very um, informative to the standards work that I've, I support and my team and I support uh, for the federal health agencies. Um, so HL7 has a process in place on how to identify data, stan data standard gaps, how to work with multiple stakeholders in the HL7 community to develop the standard, to publish the standard, to test it. Um, so HL7 has, you know, is the um, 
organization right now, and we'll talk about Gravity's uh, fire piece. So um, the Gravity has a fire implementation guide that is an HL7 fire implementation guide and went through the HL7 process. Um, how so? So I'll start from a background for Gravity. Actually, when Siren approached ONC, um, now for four years ago. Um, they came to ONC with a problem that Siren was trying to solve. Um, so Siren is not a health informatics or focused on data exchange. Um, they are very much about gathering evidence around how you can better integrate medical and social care. And one of the gaps, and there's many gaps uh, or challenges around capturing and using SDOH data, but one of them is was at the time because now it was that was 2017 was the lack of codes available to represent the data in electronic health records and so then siren noting that ehrs are the predominant or are the dominant um, data capture source on the clinical side they said you know who has authority and you know and it was it is onc so they approached onc with this problem to solve this is 2017 onc was in the thick of addressing the 21st Century Cures Act requirements. Um, they said social determinants of health are important, but we have to meet, uh, we have to set rules now. And so they encouraged Siren to host a listening session um, to gather feedback from multi-stakeholder groups on really what, what was needed, you know, what did industry need? And um, this was convened in November of 2017. HL7 was there, um, the leading um, coding stewards, um, Region Street that is, uh, you know, responsible coding steward for loin codes. Um, SNOMED CT was there and um, representatives from the ICD-10 Coordination and Maintenance Committee that oversee the development of Z codes um, or diagnosis codes for social determinants. So we had, and we had federal agencies, we had health plans, we had community-based organization or representatives. And um, so that, that came uh, across. So I know I'm, I'm, I wanna make sure I have good time here. And so we've, we've, um, they came, problem was uh, resolved with the initiation of the Gravity Project, which is a multi-stakeholder public collaborative that develops consensus-based data standards for social determinants of health. Very good. So, so if I'm, if this is, this was what we, we alluded to at the beginning of the program, where it's more than an HL7 project. And I think that's what you're trying to say is it's multi-stakeholder. So it's within the, it's it's borrowing the house or the framework of HL seven, but it's actually broader than that. Yeah, it is. We we borrowed, and you know, HL seven is not a terminology. You know, they also depend on the other coding. You know, these are other what we say coding stewards. They develop the codes, and so we bring it together through the HL seven process. Very good. And and just to simplify here, right? The 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 basic problem that was being trying to be solved. First of all, there's the broader problem of how to marry social services and clinical services, right? That sounds like a broader general, and we're talking about safety net kind of stuff in, in, in many cases, right? Where, where um, um, uh, people of, of uh, you know, uh, of lower economic needs or something, uh, where the state steps in and helps them with social needs, um, the state also steps in, the government steps in and helps them with clinical needs. And so there's a way, uh, there has to be a way of marrying that so that, that, that 
that's more efficient and more streamlined to serve that population? Is that kind of the general problem? There is, yes, but I would say it's, it's more than that. You have, you know, when we think of social determinants, they're ne neither negative or positive. I know there's a lot of discussion around that they are attributed to individuals with lower so so socioeconomic status. But when we think of, so you know, I, I, I think it's broader than that, uh, personally, um, and just understanding what social determinants are. So there are, you know, the COVID pandemic actually, you know, very much highlighted when we think of a social determinant around social isolation, as an example, you can have be, um, you know, you, you could have all the resources, financial resources in place, so you're not financially, um, in, you know, in, unstable. But if you don't have individuals to come in and provide you with social interaction and connectedness, you know, that impacts your health, right? And we, you know, that was uh, a very important item, in particular for older Americans too, or the elderly that are alone in their home and they couldn't go out and, and it didn't matter that they had the financial resources to take care of themselves. They just could not connect with others under COVID. So that's an example. We're saying a lot of that within, um, you know, across the domain. So it is, uh, yes, the highlight is for those that have more uh, social needs than others, but it doesn't, it's not always tied to poverty. Good uh, and terrific correction, uh, correcting my, my assumptions, which, which may be reflective <laughs> of the listeners. So I appreciate that. That's great. So it's not always uh, social and it's not always economic. It's, it's any kind of social determinant, which could be a very broad range of things. That, that's good. And then your job uh, at the um, Gravity Project is to figure out clinical coding. Now, not clinical coding, coding for social things. So give me an example of like what might be a, a social determinant that needs a code. Sure. So we we were we initially started with three domains. Um, they were important. That was actually the health system said these are the things we 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 do have no data for, or even when we have data for it, we don't know what to do about it. So they they prioritize food insecurity, housing instability, and homelessness, and transportation instability. So you know the ability for an individual to you know uh, meet you know go to the doctor's office. Right. They, there's missed appointments all the time. The, the inability for an individual to um, go pick up their medication. Right. So those things impact uh, the health of the individual. So we started with those three domains. So when we think about it, um, you know, again, our, our, I give credit to our fabulous term, uh, terminology director, Dr. Sarah DeSilvi, who leads the terminology work stream within Gravity. You know, I've learned a lot from her and, and, and also she learns from the community, uh, from our subject matter experts, that really um, a lot of these domains are, are based on a risk scale. So you may have low, medium, high risk. Um, and therefore the interventions are related to that risk score. So, um, so we think of food insecurity as the first one and would say most mature, you know, you um, either have, you know, you have medium food insecurity, meaning that you don't have, you're not able to buy food or, you know, based on your salary as an example or your ability to get to the grocery store, there are days you run out of food, right? So you may have a medium to high, which then um, impacts. So what do you do within the health system? You have to be able to document that. You screen someone and you code that screening score, right? So that's coded in LOINC in a standard. And that allows then through the EHR workflow and the clinical workflow, 
that you screen someone, you have then you have an, the, the physician makes an observation, whether they're low, medium or high, food insecure. They then have a diagnosis. Diagnosis very much tied to payment. Right now, not many of them are tied, but they are used within claims. And then the most important, you know, you set goals like I want to improve, you know, I want to move from medium food and to to having low food insecurity. So maybe there's once a month or maybe towards the end of the month I have low, um, you know, I, I have medium food insecurity, but at the beginning or mid of the month because I just got paid, you know, things like the things are due at the end of the month, right? So utility, so maybe there's, you know, so you, you wanna get to that. So you set goals and then you have the interventions, right? So the interventions are actions, right? That the health system can take. Many of those actions will not be done or, or led by the health system. So for example, if you are food insecure and you live in an area, you qualify for benefits, right? So you can either qualify um, to, um, or you can go, you can be referred to a food bank, a local food bank. You may be referred to a uh, food benefits program like the SNAP uh, benefits. So these are things that will be executed outside of the health system, but the health system needs to be able to track that they were completed because they don't want that individual or patient to come back into the system and not have their problem resolved, right? So this is why coding is important because you have a way to track it and you know that you're speaking the same language. So someone was identified as food insecure in the health system, they have to be able to share that um, diagnosis and the with another provider or share the um, planned intervention with another provider that has to take the action on it. And they have to understand what it means. That makes sense. Yes, very good. Actually, you explained it very well. So so I appreciate that that like graphic description. Um, so tell me what you're most excited about with your work now. What What's going on with uh, Gravity? Yeah, so um, last month, the Office of the National Coordinator, or the National Coordinator actually, approved um, the gravity submission for a new SDOH data class within the U.S. Core for Data Interoperability. So USCDI is as the acronym for it. Um, ONC has authority for it. It really signals to the market. It's also what a, a landmark for um, rulemaking um, that once those data classes in this case it would be the coded data elements, um, then they're required by um, systems and programs for use, right? And primarily like health IT systems. So um, for us, this is really exciting. It really sets the, you know, sets the stage for having a consistent way for health systems to document this data. This is what they were asking for, right? And now you have what exactly are those codes for those domains that we've worked on to date? Um, we've worked on 12 so far. Um, we've completed the three initially, but we're, we have many more that we've been working on for the last two years. Um, and so USCDI now is has given that stamp of approval. So we're hoping to see a, a more tick, um, uptake. I'm also very much excited that the ICD-10, so for diagnoses, Z codes, very important for the, um, for payment. Um, they are, will be, they were approved for publication October 1st of this year. So again, this means there is a signal. It's sort of like, you know, the FDA just approving Pfizer, right? That you know that they were there, but you needed that stamp of approval. Um, and 
that will happen October 1st for ICD-10 codes, and then ONC just approved the, the use of the coding systems, uh, LOINC, ICD-10, and SNOMED for the activities. Very good. Very good. Well, congratulations on that. And you said you have a lot more work to do, though. There's a lot more, uh, lot more uh, categories. Yes, our current, so just acknowledging our current fire implementation, which was very big too, we just published it at the beginning of this month, HL7 published it, it's a formal standard for trial use, um, it will go through the fire maturity process, this is just one, so we have more work to do because this implementation guide is very specific for the clinical to community-based or clinical to payer, um, other provider, and so we need to have, we need to develop new fire IG specific around community-based organization data capture, for example, to a state agency. We constantly be, are being asked like, you know, um, an education system, a school, completing an assessment for a child and then referring them to a state agency, right? That does not at all touch the health system. And so that requires a different fire IG. So that's interesting, actually, right? And, it, and it, I guess it makes sense that this is not uh, a one-way street where we're trying to put all this information into the clinical records for, for hospitals and facilities and providers to use health providers, but there's all sorts of, say, providers and support uh, exactly. that needs this information. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. And, yeah. For children, it comes. So I'm also excited. We've also been um, working um, to create, so it's in voting right now, HL7 will be standing up a human services work group. So this will be a place where at any new um, use case development under gravity that is outside of the health system, it will have a sponsoring work group. So HL7, it, gravity, although it, could be considered a work group. We do not own, you know, we're a fire accelerator. So we work with, um, HL7 has 51 work groups. Um, right now, our current fire IG is sponsored by patient care um, because we start, the data capture starts within a clinical setting. So if it makes sense, patient care is involved as part of the clinical workflow. But we, we wouldn't have a home Right now with an HL7, until this human services work group is stood up, if we start looking at data captured in other settings. Gotcha. Very good. Well, thank you, Evelyn. And when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion with Evelyn Gallego, Program Manager for HL7's Gravity Project. I'm going to ask Evelyn uh, if there's any dangers to uh, all of this information out there and then maybe some of the, the roadblocks and obstacles to integrating this information. But for now, let's take a quick break and hear from our producer, Michael McNutt. The preeminent national membership association for health IT guidance and collaboration, WIDI has earned the title of being an instrumental force in engaging public and private partnerships, facilitating discussions, and providing a collaborative voice as a national healthcare advisor to provide meaningful changes for the American healthcare system. Become a member and provide national leadership that enhances the exchange of clinical and administrative healthcare information. Join one of our various work groups where Weedy members collect input, exchange ideas, and make recommendations that inspire impactful and far-reaching change in our industry. Learn more about how you can make a difference at Weedy.org. We're back and we're talking with Evelyn Gallego, Program Manager for HL7's Gravity Project on another episode of the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. So Evelyn, uh, you talked a lot about um, uh, developing codes and there's this idea of information sharing between the social services and, and the clinical services. 
Um, and and you touched upon uh, the ways that we can use coding and how coding will um, actually help uh, certain um, populations and, and probably all of us, uh, any of us certainly with any social determinants that are helping uh, affecting our health. Um, but some people think that maybe too much uh, information in the hands of a doctor or too much information floating around with that. We have security breaches all the time and privacy breaches. But are there any dangers uh, we should worry about with um, so much information being collected? Uh, and that's probably a broader subject than, than your particular project, but maybe you have an opinion on that. Oh, absolutely. It's actually one of the key challenges has been around, around SDOH data capture and use is the risk of medicalizing. So, you know, medicalizing the data. I, I don't think, I think every presentation I attend, there's always someone coming in, you know, you're medicalizing this, you know, there, these um, social care networks, these community-based organizations have been capturing and using this data for years, right? They have different programs and authorities and, and funding that has allowed them to do that. And they don't want the health system coming in and, you know, changing how they they use or name the data so you know we we work very um i think that's why it's one of the uh, success factors for the gravity project is that we did not come in thinking this is a top-down approach even though there was a very strong interest and the business drivers were clear for health systems and health plans to address social determinants it's always been designed to bring these people that have not been included in um health system, you know, in the, in the process workflow funding to the table, but understanding where they're coming from and what their concerns are. So for that reason, we say the Gravity Project is a multi-stakeholder public collaborative that incorporates entities from across the ecosystem because we want to make sure we are not designing something or creating standards that will, you know, create further health disparities, right? Um, or um, label individuals where they don't want to be labeled, right? So um, we have to be very careful ab about that. And it's also, uh, you know, the ethical use of this data. So very early on, uh, the Gravity Project published um, a da data principles um, that are very much uh, drawing on these concerns, right? So it's, it's saying that, you know, we have to be responsible in how we collect and use this data. We cannot use it to discriminate against individuals, right? And of course, from a cybersecurity perspective, we have the same risks that any electronic data or, you know, um, we want to make sure that data is captured and and to and maintain the privacy and the security of the individual, like any any of our, our data. So those are ongoing things. The other area is the ability to capture consent. So some of this data is sensitive, right? And you have to make sure that you can protect the individual. But if they want, you know, the data needs to be shared across other entities. We've been doing a lot of work to integrate consent models. Um, again, not reinventing the wheel. These are things that other entities, there's so much work coming within HL7 and outside of HL7. Um, do want to acknowledge the work of the National Interoperability Collaborative or NIC that has been working on a consent to share project that very much focused on sharing data between HIPAA covered and non-HIPAA covered entities. So a lot of these community-based organizations are not, um, you know, they they are not regulated by <laughs> that rule. So they, it's really how do we get to that? Um, so ongoing again, ongoing work, um, but it is uh, 
constant area that we need to um, manage and, and address. Yeah, it is interesting, actually. And, and when you when you said that, uh, you know, we've got protections in HIPAA and the non-covered HIPAA, it, 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 it's something to be said for the medical industry that once you fold uh, social determinants of health into the clinical record, that it will be protected quite. There's standing regulations that, in one sense, don't need to be reinvented, at least within within health systems, right? In terms of HIPAA and the privacy and security, and and all, and even the cybersecurity element of it. Exactly, and there's a and the, for, for us too is as well is that this is something the health health industry is grappling right now, right? We have individuals collecting data in their mobile apps that are not covered, right? So how do you incorporate that data? And so these are part of the things we see it the same way, you know, uh, or an individual may want to share their wellness data captured on their mobile app with some other, or you know, with some other entity. So what what are those? And you know, of course. The, the rules are, are interpreted differently across state boundaries. So in a, this is not my area of expertise. So I just, <laughs> I just know that there's a lot of work going on. And for me, it's more like, let's all look at this together and, um, you know, come with a common solution. But knowing that it's not, it's a problem that is uh, not only related to social determinants of health data. Right. Good. Good. So, um, Evelyn, let me ask you a kind of aspirational question. Where do you see either your work? What would you like to see that, the, the you know, when you, you can wash your hands and say, ah, my work is done here in five, 10 years? What, what does that picture look like? Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> um, well, I, I, I want us to stop. For me, I've always been very passionate about person-centered care, that, uh, that it's not just health, you know, what conditions do I have, you know, what health problems or health concerns. It's really around all, all of me, like, every, you know, and we think of behavioral, mental, physical, emotional health. Um, I'd like to place where all that data is is available and can be shared um, and connected. You know, for me is ultimately I'd love to get to a place how we are with our financial ecosystem, where you can travel the world and access your your you know your bank statement, your bank account. Like these are things that you know you can you know why couldn't if as I move. Um, I'm actually Canadian, full disclosure, so it'd be great if, uh, you know, if I move back to Canada again, that my record could follow me, right, um, and not cost me anything, right? So it's just, I'd, I'd get to a place where it, true data liquidity for health-related data. Very good, very good. I think that's a good image. So, um, uh any place where you want to direct listeners, uh, websites or presentations or upcoming presentations or any anything you'd like the listeners could go maybe to find out more information about HL7, the Gravity Project, social determinants of health in general? Uh, what else? I t well, for the listeners, I think it's, it's important. Um, Language is important. Um, social determinants. I, I do want us to move out of the realm of thinking them as negative, negative, right? That you know someone has a social determinant of health. They're really the definition. These are the conditions in which we live, born, work, right? They can't. They're neither positive or negative. 
um, they get into the negative realm when you have a social risk, right? And and then you have to address that need. So I think it's having um, to think within that lens. I also want to acknowledge, you know, under under our new uh, administration, there's a, a, you know, duly so emphasis on health equity, right, and addressing health disparities. So as we think of social determinants, um, by definition as well, by Department of Health and Human Services, you know, addressing social determinants of health is an approach to health equity. So it's not saying that they are equivalent to each other. So I think that's important to understand that a lot of the activities we're doing, even creating data standards for this, is because we do want the health system to play a more active role in helping address the social needs, social risks identified. Um, but it really is with the ultimate goal of achieving health equity, right? Regardless of where we live, where we work, where we come from, right? We should all have be treated equally and have access to all the same resources. So um, I do want to, that, you know, ultimately that is uh, to think through of this concept that it really is for health equity, whole person care, you want to make sure that um, all aspects of an individu individual's life are, are, are addressed. So I think that's terrific. I mean, I think that's the, 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 the great uh, takeaway lesson for me anyway from, from this, this time together is, is that idea that health equity and social determinants of health are not synonymous. They're not in the same circle. They're, they're very different things. And, and if I understand it correctly, we all have social determinants of health. Right. And we may not have a code for all of them. Right. But each one of us has something socially that affects our health. Uh, and that is different from health disparity, which are specific populations that we really need to rise up and, and, and pull together. So um, I, those are that's great lessons. And also the idea that um, health should be holistic and, and it's not just about a condition and it's, it's about our, our way of living and, and taking that all with us across the globe. I, I like that vision. Yeah. Well said. <laughs> well, I don't know if I, I don't know if I said it. I think you said it all much better. But exactly. Where can where can any of our listeners who might want to see more of what the Gravity Project uh, is doing? Where can they go to figure it out? Is there an easy uh, URL or? Yes. So we do have gravityproject.net. The gra oh, okay. so just um, and that will take you to our main. Yeah, so it's thegravityproject.net. Um, we have our own website. And then from that website, it will take you to the HL7 Confluence page um, where we track all our activities. So we're in the process of actually updating our website to, you know, we work across, as I said, it's really important for us to work across the multiple stakeholders that um, engage in our work. And so we want to create more um, education and awareness around our project, specific also to the value the project brings to each of these stakeholder groups. So we'll be using our website to, to develop content. Um, but that's the go-to place. Um, everything we do is free and open. Um, you know, our, our public meetings where we work on the terminology or the domains, they happen every other Thursday. Um, from 4 to 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then we have weekly fire HL7 fire um, work group meetings. So 
those are specific to our current fire implementation guide. Um, so we encourage anyone who can attend. And of course, uh, I, I serve as the program manager, so I'm responsible for outreach and education. If anyone has any questions, reach out to me. Um, I do a lot of, you know, our team, our project team does a lot of what we say, technical assistance going out and educating on what we're doing. Um, and we hope for the new year, we can do a lot more since we have more product to share. Very good. Well, thank you, Evelyn, for spending time with us today. We've learned a lot from you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Terrific. This has been a good discussion, great discussion with Evelyn Gallego, Program Manager for HL7's Gravity Project. And this has been the collective voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast where the health information technology community connects collaborates and create solutions for a better health system. Find this episode, many more on our website, weedy.org. Thank you all for joining us and be safe.